if you do something completely out of the ordinary, you don't know where it's going to take you. And for me, from that experience, I just started noticing more and more opportunities. And then that's when everything started to come my way. It was one of those moments where I did wake up one day and I thought, no, this isn't me. I don't want to live for the materialistic liabilities. I want to live for the adventures and the experiences. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy, and fulfillment along the way. Sometimes I regret using certain phrases so much because when I really want to hammer something home, I've usually already overdone it. So, for example, I really wanted to emphasize what an incredible breath of fresh air today's guest is, but I've probably said that many times before. So, thank goodness you're about to hear from her yourself, as I know you'll agree she's truly one in a billion. If anyone's Parthier could be said to truly veer off in totally unexpected directions at every new chapter, it's Amy Stanton's. She she has the most fascinating story so far, and she's not even 30. If you've met her even once, she's someone you want to be around more and more with the most energetic zest for life, for giving things a red hot crack and being who you truly are. You'd expect that she's always been as confident and self-assured, but I was surprised to learn that most of her earlier years were spent not only thinking, but being told that she'd never amount to anything, culminating in an expulsion from school and many years following not knowing where her place was. But after finding her feet as an award-winning plumber and shaking up the industry as a lady tradie, walking on foot solo from Melbourne to Canberra simply because she could, competing on Survivor and House Rules, then starting an incredibly successful business, Tiny Stays, building tiny homes with her brother. Amy has well and truly proven her strength, talent and drive, and I bloody loved having her on the show. We've been in each other's orbit for a few years now through another regular podcast guest, Samantha Gash, and recently spent time together during our Northern Territory trip, getting to know each other even more. I hope you guys enjoy her company as much as I did. Amy Stanton. Welcome to Seize the Yay. Thank you for having me. I'm stoked to be here. I'm so excited to see you guys. We have literally gone from being such a tight-knit little family on our NT trip a couple of weeks ago to just having such separation anxiety. I'm like, I miss your face so much. I know. When I, when I saw your face, it just lit up. I'm like, oh my God, you were so warming on the trip and I just, oh. I love you, Sarah. I do. Oh, I love you, Ames. Love you. <laughs> so many special moments together. <laughs> well, you have such an amazing story and I loved our little like random chats we'd have throughout the day on our long walks. We shared a bush wee or two. So much great stuff came out. So I'm so excited to dive into it. But before we kick off every episode, I start by asking people what the most down-to-earth thing is about them to break through the kind of often glossy surface of our digital lives but you are pretty real 
and exactly who you are in every single context that I've ever seen you or known you. And I think that's what I love about you so much. But just in case people have only seen you on TV or only know you as a really successful businesswoman and speaker and all the wonderful things that you are, like what's the most down to earth thing about you? <laughs> You've definitely given me a big head. I can just feel it go like bigger and bigger my head right now. You talking about me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the most down to earth thing about me. I, <laughs> this is really random, you know, and I've been trying my hardest to do it so well lately, but I just can't. I take probably about three and a half weeks to transfer my washing from the washing machine to the dryer. <laughs> And then, but, but by that time it's too late. So I don't really want to admit it, but I'm going to, but I think there's been times where I've had to rewash it like four times because I've haven't transferred it. Is that down to, that is so that just really it's so relatable. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. I am absolutely one of those people. And it's so weird that you said that because in literally the episode just before this one, I asked Doc, a psychiatry doctor what the most down to a thing is about him and he was like I think I take like five or six washes before I remember to get my clothes out of the washing machine I was like oh! are you serious yes literally oh literally yesterday I, we recorded it well I was gonna say I'm like I haven't just heard your podcast and just copying the person before me <laughs> It came out like two hours ago. I'm like, Amy, mate, we need original content on this show. <laughs> oh, I feel I feel horrible now. I'm sure I've got no. a, a bigger list if that one isn't good enough. <laughs> well, your whole story is amazing. Like the way you tell it is just so beautiful and so like you just can instantly tell from the way you tell it how down to earth and lovely and relatable and just easy to be around that you are. So let's jump straight into that. The first section is your way TA where we kind of go through from, you know, childhood Amy to now to remind everyone, particularly people who know you now where you've got a really successful business and a clear passion for speaking and sharing stories, you know, People forget that most of us went through huge phases of our life where we had absolutely no idea where we were going. And I know parts of your schooling and earlier life were quite lost and that you did struggle with where you were going to end up and what your purpose was. So maybe take us through all the chapters as you see your life having, you know, unraveled in those chapters and, and starting with young Amy and what you were like as a kid and what your first idea of a career was and where you wanted to go. Yeah, for sure. I think the funny thing is when I was really young, I was really shy and I just never talked and I was always a person standing back and like fully introverted and I'd be like, yeah, yeah. And then going on into high school, I started to form this thing in my head that I just w had to impress people and, oh, to stand out. I have to be cool. I have to drink alcohol. I have to do all this crazy stuff. And then literally when I was in about year 10, I was getting really depressed because I knew I just wasn't myself deep down inside and I didn't know which direction I could head. And I was always trying to do things to either be in the cool group, fit in and all that and it just kept getting me more depressed because like for instance I would be on English too so I would think oh I'm so stupid I can't do anything I'm not like the cool kids I'm good at nothing I'm just kind of you know just a floating around and I just I'm never going to be anyone and that is what kind of made me do all this really 
stuff that wasn't me, I turned into a really naughty girl in year 10. Like this, <laughs> this explains when I say like I would just do whatever people told me. So I went to Luther College and I was in the science room. I think this was actually year nine. So it just started that I was trying to fit in, be that cool person, you know, year nine, and you start kind of playing up a bit. And we had these big windows and the windows look out to the whole courtyard of Luther College. And what happened was, you know, when parents take their kids on tours of schools to see if they want to go to those schools? (laughs) I could feel an amazing story coming on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so there was about, I'm going to say 20 kids with their parents. So about 20 parents as well. There's probably about 20 teachers as well. Nearly, nearly a hundred people were walking along and I remember one of my friends in my class, a science teacher had just walked out and she turned to me and said, Oi, Amy, you wouldn't, you wouldn't moon them. And I'm, I'm obviously mooning, like pulling your pants down. No one knows what mooning means. That's what it is. And and I'm like, why would I do, why would I do that? I'm not going to moon all these kids and their parents. Like, and then someone came in and said, the old Amy would. And I'm like, oh. Like you can't be doing that. Yeah, it is their fault. So (laughs) I pulled down my pants. I put my butt up against the window. The whole of these kids and their parents and everyone looked up at me. My science teacher came in, kind of got dragged out of the class and I had to go to her once a week to have meetings about how not to give in to peer pressure. So... do you know what's so interesting you actually kind of touched on that a little bit when we were away about how much you've gone through phases of your life where you've really felt pressure to conform to certain ideas of success or behaviors or identity and even the fact that on your about me section of your website you're like, hi, I'm Amy. I'm a hairdresser. Kidding. But that's what everyone has always <laughs> assumed that you were. You know, you've always been the subject of such expectations. But I see you as someone who represents such free spiritedness and such confidence in who you are and such a strong passion for helping others not cave to those. But it's really interesting that that usually comes from having experienced that pressure yourself. And people forget that, I think. Oh, that that is so true. So like that, and that was the stage... I wasn't at and I didn't know in my head that I would one day turn into this amazing human being. I literally just thought of myself as nothing and going through a school that I can't even say the word academic, like I'm so not good at that and I know you're probably the complete opposite but I am hopeless at that kind of thing and I just had this brand that, you know, you have to, do well at school and you have to go to uni. And I thought, well, if I don't have that, I don't have anything. So uh, I started getting naughtier and trying to probably express myself in a different way. I remember my maths teacher told me I was going to end up as being a prostitute and a stripper. (gasps) No. And this is how I felt about myself at the time. I replied to her and I'm like, oh, both of them, you have high hopes for me. And that was literally... (laughs) I'm all, I'm all good now, Sam. I'm not. Oh, I, I know, I know. But that's even more 
of a testament to you that you have such a strong sense of self now, but knowing that like I think people look at you and you're so personable and such a fun-loving, like free spirit that people would go, oh, she just breezed through school. Like I imagine you yeah. being such a popular kid that just had such a cruisy time because you know what you want, you just go and do it. But I think it's it may be even more reassuring for people listening that really people don't start that way. And most of the time that strength now comes from kind of challenge earlier on I can't believe that you had to deal with that at school at such a young age yeah but I kind of think about it now and as you know like all these things form your identity they form your story and without going through that struggle of trying to find my identity in high school and then thinking I'm hopeless and then from there I went on to get expelled so I got expelled about a year later (laughs) <laughs> that stage mum was real, real, real annoyed with me <laughs> to say the least. That was a big point in my life where I'm like, oh, I'm definitely useless if I'm getting expelled from school. But from being at Luther College and knowing I wasn't academic and I didn't fit into going to a school, which was Box Hill Senior, that was all about, you know, trying your hardest but being more hands-on I started to slowly grow more and more each time being like, oh, maybe I'm all right at this life thing. Like I'm not too bad. but (laughs) This life thing. (laughs) (laughs) In the back of my mind, I'm still thinking, oh, I'm I'm still not good at anything. I don't know what I want to do. And I'm still trying to impress people all the time. After I got expelled, then I moved to Box Hill Senior and my careers teacher was said to me, oh, I'm what do you want to do? And you know what parents and teachers are like, it's the same question. What do you want to do? What do you want to do when you're older? And kids kind of think, oh, I've just got to do one thing, stick with it for the rest of my life. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I saw all my friends doing beauty therapy. And I thought, oh, I don't, I don't know. I think her name was Karen or something. I'm like, I don't know, Karen. <laughs> I'm not saying Karen. Karen. I'm pretty, it was because <laughs> you got to call them by their first name, so I just took advantage of that so much. And <laughs> I bloody love you. <laughs> and Karen was kind of looking at me like, "What do you mean? You need to have this future. You need to have a goal. All this stuff." And when you're in year eleven, you're like, "I just don't know." And secretly in my head and people don't have to really believe me when I say I literally I wanted to be the red wiggle like I thought <laughs> if I'm not good at anything in life I'm gonna be the red wiggle and I, I couldn't really believe tell. that <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't happened yet but um there's still time I believe there's still, there's still time, time. Yeah. Look, Karen didn't believe that there was time for me to become the red wiggle. So I went down the road of, I'm like, I'll just do beauty therapy. I'll do it. My mates are doing it. It will shut my parents up. It will shut my auntie up. It will shut everyone up. I'll do beauty therapy. And I was hopeless. I could not paint nails to save my life. Like, like <laughs> just absolutely hopeless. And at this stage, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I'm not academic. I can't, I'm not good at beauty therapy. I'm, there's no point. There's nothing. Maybe I should be a prostitute. I didn't actually think that, but I thought, well, there's nothing I can do. No one has any hope for me. <laughs> I'm kind of <laughs> stuck. And at that point I was still very depressed. I didn't really have a vision 
in life. And I remember I started thinking to myself, I'm like, well, maybe one day I could like do a business thing, do something in business. I don't know, at that stage, Instagram wasn't around, but I think I would have had that feeling in my head of like, I want entrepreneur in my Instagram name. That is that is what I want when I'm older. <laughs> Might have been MySpace back then. But I thought that oh was... Oh, my God, MySpace. <laughs> I can't even imagine what your MySpace would have looked like as a beauty therapist. Like that just makes me laugh <laughs> so much. I can't even imagine a you that did beauty therapy, which is what I love because most people can't. And... Yeah, there's so much in people's stories that you just could never imagine, but this formed who you were and it just like it breaks my heart thinking about how if your intelligence or your particular type of intellect and talent is not the same as what everyone around you happens to be valuing at the time that you happen mm. to go through school, people could literally spend their whole lives thinking they're stupid and just without, yeah. you know, whatever comes next in your story that did push you towards finding what you are really good at, you might never have known. And that just, it it hurts so much thinking of how many people would have just taken other people's opinions as final, as like, really, I will never amount to anything. So you're such an inspiration for that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And you're so right there. And I think back, well, maybe if I stayed at Luther College and I didn't get expelled, I might've just ended up you know, doing something, just working nine to five, doing something I hated. And I just never really got to find my true potential in life. So I'm so blessed that that journey did happen. And then that I went to Box Hill and I started to realize, all right, maybe this business thing, maybe I should give it a crack. And what I did, I started trying more at schools. And then literally within a year, my report from Luther College when I was doing business there, it was, you know, E, fail, um, FF, all that kind of thing, Amy, blah, 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 Amy's basically crap. And then shifting my complete mindset of, you know, maybe I could do this thing, maybe this could be me, I it completely changed. And within 12 months I was going from A's and A's pluses in business management <gasps> and just absolutely loving it. And I have those reports there and I love showing people that just if you completely change your perspective. And the same thing goes for when I was in maths class, I thought I was really bad at maths. And I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm hopeless at maths, can't do maths. And I look back on it now, I'm like, well, did you even go to maths class? I'm like, well, I didn't even go to maths class. I didn't rock up. <laughs> I didn't I didn't study. I didn't like try in classes. And then I go say, see guys, look, I'm I'm hopeless. I'm crap at maths. Look, but really, I wasn't trying <laughs> in the class. So it's like, well, no shit, Amy. That's why you weren't that good at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so how did you end up from beauty? being the first kind of career pathway you'd settled on as like a, an, a goal, how did you then go, actually, I'm going to be a plumber. I am going to be a lady tradie. What a, like, what a <laughs> twist of events. <laughs> how did that happen? Well, one way that happened that I've only just realised over the last few months, so my dad, he used to take me to the server after we went camping and to get an ice cream and I picked out a Magnum once, you know, like the the expensive mm. ice creams 
I'm like, hi, I'm going to make them. Fancy one. And, <laughs> and I remember distinctly my dad turning and looking at me. He's like, Amy, you can't get a Magnum. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, they're plumber's ice creams. And I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, only plumbers can afford Magnums in this house. We eat frosty fruits. And I'm like, <laughs> so I feel, I feel like always in the back of my head, I had this thing like, oh, plumbers can afford Magnums. But <laughs> I, just, I, I love that that's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's half the reason that I think I went down the road of plumbing, but the other half was so like doing things with my hands. And I remember someone kind of turned to me once and we were talking about, you know, women being tradies and me being stubborn. They were like, oh, women can't be tradies. I'm like, yeah, we can. Like, and from there, I was like, maybe I could go down this path. So I started, I started, I had a spark inside of me. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to give it a crack. And I applied for over 120 jobs. And I'm like, yeah, I got this. I'm I have got this. And basically I heard back from one out of 120 and I'm like, oh, and I kept thinking in my head, oh, it's because people don't want women as tradies. And I was all real spiteful in my head. But then I looked back on my resume a few years ago, I had about 20,000 spelling mistakes. I'm like, yeah, that's probably why. (laughs) (laughs) No magnets for you, babe. No magnets for you. (laughs) So I got the job as a plumber and I was like, so excited. I was so excited to do something new. I'm like, I don't know, maybe I could be good at this. And then within my first week, I got my head stuck in a scaffold. I crashed my car through the job site fence. I, this is the first week, like, and then I fell through a roof and I landed on some guy eating a sandwich. And No. Yeah, and then I got a piece of metal stuck in my butt. Literally <laughs> that happened in the first week. <laughs> And I, thought I read I that stage- on your website. I was like, <laughs> fuck, that's amazing. I love you so much because you're just like, I'm still going to do it. Nah, I'm still going to do it. Like whatever. I'm just going I'm just gonna to push through. <laughs> and that's what it's all about. And that's why I'm so big on failing because if I just called the quits there, who knows where I would be. But I kind of thought to myself, this makes me more determined that I've had such a horrible first week. No one believes in me. I rock up on site with pink socks blonde hair extensions and then they hear me talk and I'm like how you going mate they're like yeah, all right <laughs> all right she's like see where she's coming from we'll give her a crack and it just made me more and more determined to you know keep going and as anything happens when you try hard and you persist day and day and day by the end of it I, I turned out an all right plumber so that was a really good for like just doing my apprenticeship it was really good for me, but I kind of got to the end of my apprenticeship and I kind of looked at the older guys I was working with and they were grumpy. They just didn't look like they were enjoying life as much <laughs> as they might have used to be. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to turn out like them. I know plumbing's an awesome job, but I think I can take this and do something else with it and go in a d- different direction. Oh my gosh. I think like there's just so many parts of your story that I think are so important for people to hear because so many other people are kind of like, oh, I ended up in plumbing because I woke up when I was five and I was passionate about plumbing and I followed (laughs) my dad around to his plumbing job, you know, like, but you just kind of stumbled into it after a few false starts and then made the most of it and then just kept going until 
the next chapter sort of arrived on your lap. And I love that about you because it doesn't have to be like you wake up with a lightning strike of purpose and then Mm. you love every minute of your career. And the surest sign that maybe it is time for a new chapter is when you do look at someone more senior than you and you don't want to be them. And I like that you took that as like, hmm, maybe like I don't need my Magnum. Maybe I can go do something (laughs) else. And you're just such a great role model for like giving things a red hot crack. If you don't know what you're going to, you know, what you really want to do, you've got to do something in the meantime. And I love that you just kept trying stuff and doing different things. And it's even now you still continue to do that. But you back then could never have imagined what you would end up achieving. And that's like, I, I love that this is almost a way for you to talk to people who are at old you stage in their life and remind mm. them like you can get there. It just takes a lot of patience, a lot of like growing a thick skin and living through some really shit bits where you're like, wow, I've got metal on my butt and everyone already thinks that a lady trade is going to suck. And I like drove through the fence in my first week. <laughs> I got a lot of oh, women drivers. Trust me, I got a lot of that on site that day. so was it something that you kind of loved when you were there but then got to the point where like what drew you out of that chapter even if you had fallen into something that you were good at because I know you were really good at it you became like an award-winning plumber you won awards for your skills what made you think actually I'm agitating for something new yeah and that's a great question I think a few years after I started I kind of thought to myself look, I'm going to get an apprenticeship under my belt and then go out and chase my dreams. And as bad as it is, and I know people don't like saying at least you have something to fall back on, my mindset at the time was like, at least I can do the walk of shame back to plumbing if all else fails. And (laughs) I've only done it twice, but I don't think I'm going back ever again now. So, And that's the whole thing about growing and learning. It's like, well, sometimes you start up something and you do have to go back for a a solid income to, you know, get a house loan or something Mm. like that in your first years, which is completely fine. It doesn't mean it's the end of the journey. It just means don't get comfortable in that job. And for me, after I finished my apprenticeship, I was still very materialistic. I was still trying, and that was to impress people. And I thought, you know, being a plumber and earning good money and, you know, I was getting magnums every day and I was was like I had a car loan, like a 40 grand car loan, which obviously came with a 40 grand, you know, car and then it got so bad. Like I think I was 21 at the time when I bought my first house with my ex-partner and I literally bought it because I thought in my head, oh, people are going to think, oh, look at Amy. She's so cool. She has a house. No one yeah. once said that. No one once said <laughs> Amy's cool because she has a house. <laughs> and then, Everyone was probably uh, like, holy shit, she's 21 with a mortgage. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> Where is it? No more magnums for you. No, no more no. magnums for you. <laughs> and then, yeah, and it was kind of at that stage of my is this the end? Like what now, kids? Like I've got, you know, I've. <laughs> what do I do now? I had, you know, a beautiful car house. I I even had a pet pig named Constable Crackles. I was like. (laughs) (laughs) You had it made. And people would have looked at me and been like, she's living the ideal life. But really deep down, I was, I was unfulfilled. I, I was not fulfilled. And 
it was one of those moments where I did wake up one day and I thought, no, this isn't me. I don't want to live for the materialistic liabilities. I want to live for the adventures and the experiences. And it was such an aha moment that I just, something inside me, I sold everything. I rocked up to, sold, sold the house, sold the car. I rocked up to mum and dad's with the pet pig and dad's like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, what? Like we lived in like suburbia and I gave the pet pig to a guy from work. He has a farm and normally when I tell people that I, I gave the pet pig to a farm, they're like, so you killed him. I'm like, no, like an actual farm, not the farm your parents tell you. Where you yeah, the rainbow farm at the end of the pot of gold where all the animals live together in harmony. <laughs> oh my gosh that was just the beginning of where I really felt myself I felt this is me this is my life this is what I'm gonna do now I'm just free to go do what I want and I know that's when I started believing whatever happens happens everything will fall into place eventually oh oh my gosh absolutely and I just think like how crazy that you had everything that you had ever dreamed of and all the things that most people still measure success by so young and all it did was create stress and unhappiness and restriction for you but walking away from it all and also having the balls to do that because that's incredibly Mm. scary and to give away your pig I mean mate that's huge (laughs) like you took a huge risk and it absolutely changed your life and started peeling back all the layers to reveal like who Amy actually is underneath and now the Amy that I know that makes so much sense to me now, but probably at the time it didn't make sense to anyone, which is also even more impressive that you were like, I'm going to do it. I am going (laughs) to walk from Melbourne to Canberra tomorrow (laughs) because I want to with my Aldi bag of goods and no changes of clothes. (laughs) Tell us about that. I feel like this is a great chapter (laughs) that came next. It's my favourite one. (laughs) (laughs) It's logical, you know. It's what you expect would come next. Oh, obviously. Like how would it not come next? And it actually started kind of how the whole plumbing thing started and the whole (laughs) arse in the window mooning started. It kind of started by someone saying, or you couldn't walk to Canberra. You couldn't do that. I don't even remember how we kind of got on the subject. We're at the pub, a few lemonades later, and I don't know, it just, I started doing some hiking and someone kind of said, you couldn't do it. And another moment in my life was just like, why shouldn't I do it? Like what, why can't I do something crazy? And then I just literally, I, it might've been two days later, I, pack my bag. I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go for it. And I'm going to post it on Facebook that I'm walking to Canberra because then I have to, then I have to do it. And so I remember walking down the driveway and my parents were looking at me so worried about me. And I remember turning to them and looking in their eyes and saying, mom, dad, at least I'm not on drugs. I'm just walking. Good it's one. all good. Good one. Perspective. Very important. Perspective. And they were like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I suppose she's right. But within that experience, and it wasn't long after I sold all my stuff, I did a bit of traveling, but then within that experience, it completely, completely made me realize and built me up to, I can literally do anything. I was 
walking, you know, in 40 degree heat, sleeping on the side of the road. I was by myself. I think I was 20, 23 at the time. I would sleep on the side of the road. My um, bag got stolen. I had to walk three days in my thongs, literally. Yeah, Aldi bag. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was, so my actual bag got stolen. So I had to use an Aldi bag and I couldn't (laughs) even count. I would be so rich now if the amount of people that pulled over on the side of the road and be like, are you okay? Like, are you lost? They thought I was a Swedish backpacker or a homeless person. Oh. And I'm like, I'm all good. I'm just going for a walk. They're like, where are you from? Like, I'm from Lilydale. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing this for fun. And people are like, and just the amount, doing something by yourself where you get to think a lot. And so hard, like, remember I'd have like a solar panel on my head to charge my phone and just all this crazy stuff. One time I got lost in the forest. I was going on a walk and then I got lost in the forest and I thought I was going to die. I was only point in life. I've literally felt like I'm going to die in here. It was Australia day at home and I'm just picturing all my friends getting drunk, having fun. And I'm like, I'm in a fucking forest. I've got three cans of tuna. I've got a couple of pudding cups and I have no idea where I am. And I could laugh about it now, but I cried for three days straight. Like I'm a goner. Yeah, that was three days, wasn't it? Like you fully didn't see anyone again until three days later. (gasps) And then on the third day, I was like, okay, if I just walk one way, if I just walk straight, I'm sure to come out somewhere. And then this tree lopper came and they it was getting dark and they had their headlights on and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, my God. And it was like a movie. I'm like, I'm lost. I've been in here for three days. I've had three cans of tuna. It was just like crazy. And then he took me back to his house. And the talk about the kindness of a stranger, I literally got in the car with some tree lopper that could have been a murderer. I'm like, this is a murder podcast in the making. (laughs) Why do you go into podcasting? (laughs) But I had no other options and, you know, they made me dinner and then I was on my way and it was just such an experience of like I can do anything and it doesn't have to make sense why I do it and that's why I kind of tell everyone and get everyone out there, just do something crazy, take your annual leave go on a walk, go camping by yourself, just do something that is completely out of your comfort zone and you won't even know how far you could just change. You could wake up with a completely new perspective on everything and that's what happened to me. And once I finally got to Canberra, I was kind of got there and I'm like, there's there's not much going on here. There's nothing (laughs) happening in Canberra. Why did I choose Canberra? Why and did then, you choose camera? I'm like, why don't you choose somewhere like, I don't know, more, why didn't you walk back in the other direction? Like fly to camera, walk back to Melbourne. Look, I don't know. I don't know. I just wanted to go. And I'm like, camera, I'm heading towards you. Cindy's a bit far. Camera will do. And from that point on, like I was just constantly building my strength and it just truly shows that if you do something completely out of the ordinary, you don't know where it's going to take you. And for me, from that experience, I just started noticing more and more opportunities. And instead of being so down on myself that I was stupid and I can't do anything, it's like, dude, if I can do this, I can do anything. And I'm just going to 
look out for opportunities, find them. And then that's when everything started to come my way because I was so much more confident in my own skin. And you are such an amazing example that you can actually change your entire narrative at any time in your life. Like you didn't intrinsically have this thirst for risk and adventure when you were younger. Like you were shy, you were racked with self-doubt. And I think people really silo themselves into personality types and think, oh, well, I could never be like that because look how adventurous Amy is. But you didn't start that way. Like until this trip, you were so like you said, down on yourself and you had, like I imagine, more imposter syndrome than the average person has ever had and still now are absolutely living your dreams because that changed the way that you see yourself and your life path. And I think that's just, it should spark like a fire in everyone listening that like anyone can do it anytime. Like what's the worst that will happen? You've got nothing to lose in proving to yourself that you can do something you didn't think you could do. Yeah. Yeah. And just take that step out of just your ordinary day of going to work and doing this. A lot of people think if they, you know, skip a day of work or they, God help us go on a holiday for a month or something that the whole world is going to explode. It's like, these are the stuff, these are the adventures that you're going to remember for the rest of your life. You just need to take the plunge, get out there and do something different no matter what it is. Oh, my gosh, that's just such good advice. This is why I think you need to speak to, like, every school and in every platform. <laughs> like, you need to live on a soapbox to just spread this message because, like, everyone <laughs> needs to hear, hear more of it. And to see what you've done even in the short time since that walk, like, I can't even imagine what lies ahead. There's just so much excitement coming your way now that you have kind of changed your mindset towards abundance and confidence that you'll make it work. So, I mean, you've since been on Survivor, on House Rules, you've started a business that is booming. Like not many businesses came out of COVID booming, but Tiny Stays, how many different places do you have now? You you and your brother? Yes, me and my brother. So we're we're on our fourth and (gasps) we Yeah, completely loving, loving the journey. But as you know, and what I've realized, so many things go wrong. And the moment (laughs) you start to realize, I just got to bloody enjoy this ride is the moment you're like, all right, who cares kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) So how did that start? Firstly, how did you get back from Canberra? And then how did you start to translate all of those big revelations to, I'm going to start a business I'm going to go on reality TV. I'm going to change my life, become a business owner, and then I'm going to be a speaker. Well, I actually, when I was on the walk, I applied for Survivor because a lot of my mates were like, oh, you have to go on this show. And I hadn't watched it before. And I just pull out the camera and I swear I just had to say, I'm a plumber. I haven't showered in three weeks and I'm on the side of the road walking to Canberra. And they're like, she's on, she's on the show. (laughs) Easy, easy. (laughs) So when I got home, oh, well, I hitchhiked a lot of the way home and then I met up with my partner at the time and we went up to Kosciuszko and then I got home and then from there I did a bit of travelling around in the van and then I went on Survivor. I remember actually I was in the middle of doing like all the auditions and I didn't want to tell anyone I thought I'd curse myself if I told people that I was in the auditions and my parents and stuff thought I was like traveling around Australia and for no joke two and a half weeks I was 
like hiding in my van down at Phillip Island and traveling around just Victoria because I had to go to these <laughs> auditions. And my mum would call me and be like, oh, where are you? And I, I, I suppose it was getting me ready for Survivor. I because I didn't want to tell her because I thought I'd curse myself. I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm just at this spot. I'd look at a map I'm like near 100Ks out of Adelaide. And this is <laughs> I said this spot and Dad's like, I forgot where it was. He's like, oh, you're not there, are you? I'm like, why, what's wrong with this? He's like, and he told me this story about how this young girl got raped and murdered there like <gasps> 20 years ago. And I'm like, oh, no, I'll be fine. I'm leaving tomorrow. And really I was like 20Ks from home just <laughs> I'm actually around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so, God. <laughs> it was such a stupid thing to do, but I just had in my head if I tell people, it might not happen. And then I got on and I went to Samoa. I had no idea about the show. If, any, if anyone watches it, I just had no idea about it. I rocked up in like half a t shirt, literally in short shorts. I'm like, hey guys. And like, Amy, where's your jumper? I'm, like, I'm here. Why would I need a jumper? And it was full on. Like you was you're sleeping in the mud. You're everyone's talking about you. Like if you're not mentally strong, the mm. game is just insane. And as you kind of might know, I'm the type of person who goes, I do something, I do the adventure, and then I move on. And I'm like, all right, what what's next? That was fun. I don't dwell on it that I got I, th- I got eliminated fifth and it was funny. I'm best friends with the guy now who got me booted. Who booted you? Like, <laughs> I had no idea. So, like I remember this, these two guys were on the beach talking obviously about how they were going to get me out. <gasps> and I walked up to them and I'm like, like, hey, guys, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, oh, oh no. the weather. And I'm like, oh, sweet, yeah, the weather. <laughs> yeah, I didn't bring a jumper, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I think half my reason that I knew people wanted that so bad. They It was their dream to go on Survivor. And for me, it was just another adventure. And I probably mucked my game up because I kept telling people, I'm like, I'm just here so I can get drunk in Jury Villa. And they're all looking at me like... <laughs> I love you. I'm like, now, especially now that I know you better, like I didn't know you before you went on. Now I'm like, oh my God, she just, like, there's no game. I'd be exactly the same. I have no poker face. I just tell everyone everything. I can't keep a secret to save my life. Like I can keep secrets, but I can't like pretend that I'm feeling something I'm not I'd be so bad I'd just be like hi I voted you out oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so like that and it just you I think people have to go into that show and you have to be a bloody good actor because you have to turn on and but you're constantly paranoid so when I got not evicted sorry I've been watching Big Brother (laughs) it's time to go Amy (laughs) when I got brooded I was like it was all good it was honestly I'm like oh sweet that's awesome that means a bigger opportunity is coming for me or I'm huge on this happens for a reason that didn't go that way I didn't win for a reason I got to go to the Philippines for six weeks after that and drink coconuts on the beach but I got to like actually eat and sleep in a hotel so I wasn't disappointed. Devastated. Like lots of people. Yeah, I wasn't. I was like, oh, I, it was more like that was an awesome journey. What's next? And I think in anything like that where you might be so excited to achieve a goal or well, whatever, getting on reality TV or starting a business, but as you, you know, so when you get the goal, 
yeah, you're excited about it. It might be a week or two weeks or two months, but then it's like, it just becomes your day-to-day life and it goes down and it fizzes a bit. So it's always for me, what's the next thing I can do? And after I'd travel with my brother in the Philippines, after I got booted from Survivor, we both, he was actually an ex-accountant and kind of the same pathway as you. He was so smart and he was so good at what he did being a chartered accountant, but he was like me. He's like, nah, this isn't me. Like I, I want to do something else. I think there's more to life for me. So he quit and he did the whole traveling for four years and we realized our passions aligned. And one night we sat down at the time I was running these how to adult courses for like just teenagers and stuff, just workshops to teach them the skills that they don't learn in high school and things like that. Cause I didn't learn that much in high school of life skills. <laughs> I did not know you did that. Did you teach them yeah. all to moon in their science classes? <laughs> Here is how you get expelled. <laughs> yeah. And not many people did not. I did it for a couple of years, just purely out of, I didn't want to make any money out of it. I just purely wanted to show kids that there's more to life than the textbooks and there's more skills that are going to get you a lot further in life than knowing algebra. So <laughs> one week it might be just like, no, talking about drugs and alcohol and like, and I never said, oh, I'm a genius. I'm a psychiatrist. It was just so the kids could relate to me. I'm not their mom. I'm not their teacher. Let's just have a chat, talk about things, talk about the outside world after school. And one of my classes was like figuring out your passions in life and how you're going to turn them into your purpose. And it wasn't the whole thing of, oh, you need to turn your skateboarding passion into a job because we all know then you'll probably end up hating skateboarding after that. <laughs> but, oh Absolutely. But it was what are you good at and what do you like doing? What do you get up and like doing and how can you turn it into more than yourself? I wasn't going to get up in the morning and be like, yes, I get to build a tiny house today. It's more like, yes, I get to create these amazing places where people can come unwind, get away from their bosses, spend time with their loved ones. And that's what got me up in the morning and how me and Ben created that. We kind of, we just sat down and we wrote, all right, what are we good at? What are our passions? And it was, you know, the environment, doing things with our hands, building holidays. And from that, it eventuated into why don't we, build tiny houses, we've got the skill set for it and then rent them out as B&Bs and that's how Tiny Stays started and, yeah, we're just growing and growing every day. So it's it's such a beautiful thing to look back on from where I was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I never would have dreamed this would be my life now. Oh, my gosh, but isn't that the best? I mean, this is why I take time to go through all the earlier parts that sometimes people are like, that's not what I do now. Like, why do you need to talk about it so much? And it's because I'm like, people need to be reminded that you didn't know that you would end up here. That's the point. That's why it's so exciting that you didn't wake up one day and go, I want to build tiny houses. And that's what makes me excited every day. It's like you had to grow into figuring out where your passions and your skills and your talents kind of, you know, merged in the middle. And and you're so right too about the fact that sometimes if you do just look for purely what you're passionate about and you make that a job, mm. that does kill the joy for some people. So maybe it's not just things that you purely love. Maybe it is also like something you can offer someone else. And I love that you framed it around like you love not the physical 
bit that's your job. We don't have to love our job every day. You love the experience you create for someone else. And it's more about the connection side of thing that I think makes people really happy because if you are just tying it to things like, you know, monetary goals or tangible things, then you're right. You get over it really quickly and it doesn't last. So I love that so much. And I, I'm so, so excited for you that this is where you are and that it's booming and growing and everything's just unraveling exactly as it should. Yeah. And it's so true. And it, and as I was kind of saying before, you do face challenges every day with it. But I think if you think more about why you're doing it rather than the challenges, it can, it completely changes it. And one small thing I did, and I only started doing this probably a few weeks ago, it used to be a very to-do list. I would wake up in the morning wake up at 3.30 in the morning. It's ridiculous. Do not try it. But I would write down on my, in my diary, I'd be like, okay, what do I need to do today? And then, yeah, I, then I started changing it to how do I want to feel today? What oh. do I, what gets me excited? And it has, and I've only been doing it for a few weeks, but it's completely changed. It's more like my life isn't just a to-do list. I want to feel motivated, energized to feel energized. I want to go to the gym in the morning, I want to do this. And it was kind of, I don't know, it completely changes your perspective of the day ahead rather than just like, oh, crap, I've got a message, you know, so-and-so from PR and do this and do that. You're just growing every day. Like no one really knows what they're doing. No one has no idea. <laughs> but if you enjoy it, you're halfway there. <laughs> oh, that's so true. And you're right. Like we do treat our lives very much as a to-do list and then wonder why there's no joy at the end of it. And you look back and think, I sacrificed so much of the important things in life for that to-do list that, you know, decades later, you're like, I don't even care about that to-do list. Really, it's you have to enjoy the journey and all those little moments of joy in between. So that leads really nicely into like the middle section is NATA, which is the challenges you face along the way. And I think you've really beautifully kind of acknowledged all of those in among all the highlights, which is not the way most people tell their stories. So I really appreciate that you're really upfront <laughs> about that. But the last section is your play TA, which is the part where you do acknowledge that you can't just work and die. Even if you love your job, there has to be a part of you that's reserved for just pure fun and enjoyment and energy and excitement that makes you, you know, what are the things you do that aren't related to your work that let your brain switch off so you don't burn out from your work and that just you do, even if they might feel like a waste of time, but because you enjoy them. Yeah, that's so nice. Like that just makes me smile thinking about like all the beautiful things we have in our life that we can do that isn't completely to do with the grind. And one of them for me is definitely hiking and but being by myself hiking. I, you know, I love my partner and my friends and my family, but <laughs> I just, <laughs> I love spending time by myself, you know, switching the phone to do not disturb and just going for a hike and kind of having days instead of constantly, you know, six days a week or whatever it is as a business owner, it used to be seven, but being like, I don't have to do this every day. Maybe some days I won't put on my alarm and I'll just go with the flow. If I want to sit there and watch Netflix for six hours, I'll do it. Like my life doesn't have to be like that. And so it's kind of having the freedom to be like, I don't know what I want to do today. I'll go for a hike. I'll watch Netflix. And then something that kind of used to be a real passion of mine, which was doing DIY and fixing things, but then it slowly started to turn and kind of talking about the whole skateboarding thing turned into another side of my career for me and constantly filming content for it. So 
it was great, but it took the joy out a little bit because I wasn't just doing it freely. So sometimes I just like to take the time as much as I love filming it and creating videos, it's good to just put the phone away and do things that I don't have to post on social media and make things that are purely just for me rather than doing it with someone else or for someone else or for the world to see, oh, I don't have to show them my whole life and everything I do. Mm, Totally. And I think that's something that can be a bit confusing for some people when they do have a passion that they really love and then they do make it their job because they think you have to be passionate about your job all the time. And then it does kill the joy when they have a deadline or a brief or someone else's creative idea, you know, super imposed over the top of it. And I think that's one thing I probably went really hard on when I first started CZA and now try and scale back a little bit is that the joy you find, it's wonderful if you can find that in your job, but it doesn't have to be at work. Like for some people, it'll never be at work. And it's okay if you do your job nine to five because it pays bills and that's it. As long as it doesn't make you unhappy, you can find your joy outside of work. And maybe that's just where it belongs for you. Like the balance is going to look different for everyone, but some things are really precious and you do want to keep them where they are joyful for you. And, and like, it's okay to be like, I don't want to do that as a job today or anytime, but I love that you do still do your DIY projects, but you do some that are just for you because that's so important for you to keep that alive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so true. Everyone needs to create time in their, in their schedules for just doing what makes life life and makes them happy. And yeah, that's that's so true. I think one of the things I loved so much about our trip recently was that even though there were eight women and then two guys and then the guides, we spent like big chunks of that day walking really separate from each other. Like we had wonderful conversations at points like at lunchtime or if we kind of broke off into different clusters of who was feeling faster or slower on particular days, but we also spent hours in silence. And I don't do that very often, but I think learning to appreciate your own company inside your own head is one of the most valuable things you can do. It's really uncomfortable to begin with. Like the first few days you spend by yourself, I can imagine when you started walking, you're just like, without the noise and distraction of people and conversation, it's like a lot of shit in your brain that starts to come to the surface, but it's good for you to process that. Yeah, it's so true. And at the start of anything, spending time by yourself, you constantly got stuff going on in your head, but the more you do it and the more you take the time to be by yourself and reflect on the day or reflect on everything, show your gratitude. It just puts you at peace and that. I never thought one of my favourite things to do in the world that I'd be passionate about would be just be a loner by myself and, like, go for a walk and think. (laughs) (laughs) But here we are. (laughs) And I think that's really healthy because a lot of people are scared of their own company or, like, scared of what they'll feel if they slow down for a second. But that kind of need for just momentum and constant distraction is actually where people burn out. Like that's how people get sick and overworked because there's just too much adrenaline all the time. But sitting with your own stuff is like, is so important. So, so, so good. Well, to finish up, second last question is three interesting things about you that don't normally come up in conversation. And you're like a pretty open sharer, which I love about <laughs> oh, you. Yeah. So it's probably harder for people who share, like who are pretty chill about being open but what are three things that like people don't normally know about you oh my god that's a good question I tell everyone everything (laughs) I know I'm the same Uh, but like what's something that someone who (laughs) like maybe we would know after having spent like five or six days in really close quarters like little habits or 
funny quirks or like party tricks or allergies, you know, all those kind of things. <laughs> I'm going to think of so many after we get off the podcast. I, I should have looked at that question. <laughs> I think one of the things is as much as I'm kind of out there and love talking and all this this kind of thing. I love listening. And when I'm in a bigger setting, it's always like I, I would much prefer to listen to someone else and listen to what someone else is doing with their life. And then instead of talking about me, like my mum is, she's like my biggest fan ever everywhere we go. It's like, oh my God, oh my God. And it's always like, no, like I don't, I don't know, just talking to other people about what they're doing. I, I wouldn't care if no one knew anything about me, but if I could talk to someone else and hear their stories and what they're up to and what you do as a podcaster, it's just amazing. And that's one of my things I do like being just, you know, turning off for a bit and listening to other people. And then, oh, I, like as much as I've, I've been on reality TV, I actually hate watching TV. I've just started watching Big Brother but I think in my head I'm like, oh, my God, how many hours of, am I wasting watching this? But I don't watch <laughs> movies that much. Really? Like, I'll do it because Kane Kane does it. I don't watch TV that much. I'm like, I don't what do I do with my life? It's like, like, <laughs> what do my hours I don't know. I, just know. I don't know. Like even movies and stuff, I just don't. Is it because you get fidgety? Like, do you want to do stuff? Yeah, it's just like, oh, God. I always, like, I walk into a movie theatre, I'd be like, okay, how long does this go for? And then, I don't know, it's... it's... <laughs> you're like Nick. He's like, this is like prison. I can't do anything yeah. else at the same time. I'm like, that's the point. You're already doing one activity. You don't need to do three. It's like, nah, we're leaving. Let's just watch it. We can download it. It's fine. <laughs> so true, so true. So what do you do? Do you do like, do you like board games or do you read? I've just started getting onto board games. Yeah. I'm trying to read more. I've started your book. Lots Have of puns. you? I love it. Yeah. I started oh, on the trip and I've been slowly oh, reading right. it. I tell you the funniest thing actually, <laughs> take off my <laughs> third thing that I completely don't know now. I was on the phone <laughs> to my mum before and she's like, oh, what are you doing this, this afternoon? And I'm like, oh, I'm just got this podcast. She's like, oh yeah, what's it called? I'm like, oh, seize the yay. And she's like, seize the day. And I'm like, no, seize the yay. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, seize the yay. She's like, the day. I'm like, the yay. And it went on for like five minutes. She's like, I don't understand. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, yay. And she's like, gay. Seize the gay. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm not even going to try, mum. I can't even. <laughs> do you know what happens actually quite often that I have to spell it? Because people like, they think I'm, it's cease, like cease the yay. Oh, or something. okay. Like, like end the joy I'm like no no like see the, the day but yay it takes a really long time to get it out there I'm like you know what I should just wear it on me just so I can just I don't even have to explain just like this is it <laughs> and I've started getting from like automated email chains and stuff emails that are like dear C's or like, dear the yay. <laughs> I get that all the time with tiny stays. I get dear tiny. <laughs> I get it all the time. Sure. But then I'm like, you know, there's some really quirky names out there. Like, I don't blame them. It makes sense. You never know these days. 
Oh my god, after this podcast, it's going to be like the biggest baby name of 2021 because no one's got any names Six. left that haven't been used like a million times. <laughs> it's not actually that bad. Says, I mean, it's kind, of a, it's kind of like a medical condition if you see, so it's like not great. I don't think it's like the most loving, nice baby name. <laughs> and very last question, since I love quotes so much, as you know, what is your favourite quote? My favourite quote, <laughs> I have it in front of me, it's literally on my um, thing, you are the author of your own life. And as much as it's quite simple, it really puts into my perspective of like, no matter what happens to me every day, I can't live in reaction to if something goes wrong and that's huge for me and I used to always live in reaction and the moment I kind of shift my perspective of like I control how I feel and it even comes down to things like oh you know if your partner doesn't say something that you know you you don't like and you go have you cry or you start a fight or whatever it's like what is the point of that like what are you achieving in any situation about anything it's like if the car crashes into me I'm literally I'll be like ha like I remember I when I was driving around Australia when I actually made it to Adelaide and I wasn't (laughs) just in my backyard I got to Adelaide finally and then this car crashed into me and my van was ridden off and that was going to be the start to this huge journey and as much as it's crazy it didn't bother me I was like oh well like that sucks but why would I what is the point? Yes, I get angry and I get frustrated, I get sad, but I've learned to kind of teach myself to snap out of it and be like, Amy, that's not going to serve you. So constantly thinking I write my own story, I'm responsible for everything. It's yeah, it's been it's been an absolute life changer for me. Oh, that's such a good one. And something I think about all the time that I think you can clearly see people who haven't grasped how much control they have because obviously there are things in life you can't control. I mean, like the last 18 months have shown us more than ever that there are uncertainties that will always be there, but that's only ever half the picture. Like how much it affects you, that half of the equation is up to you. And I think until you actually grasp that, you can't change it. But I love that that's your reminder that actually every day I choose, I don't choose this side, but I choose that side. And, yeah. you know, that that other quote, the way that people say it, um, life is 10% what happens to you, 90% what you make of it. I think that's so true. And the more you remind yourself of that, the more you don't sit back and think, oh, I'll just let it all wash over me. It'd be like, I'm not going to let that wreck my day. And Yeah. There's people out there with lots worse situations than you and I and that quote you just said it's funny because I say that all the time as well but I I change the percentages every time because I never know what the quote is I'm like yeah it's 95% then 5% then (laughs) other times I'm like it's (laughs) 83.2% I got that off and it always constantly changes the percentage (laughs) I even say it the wrong way around I'm like life is 90% what happens to you and it's only 10% and I was like oh fuck that's not the right one life drop (laughs) yeah like that. <laughs> what a great ad for this show. <laughs> well, Ames, thank you so, so much for sharing your amazing story. Every time I leave your company, I feel so uplifted and joyful and excited about life. You're just such a bundle of energy and an absolute little powerhouse. And I'm so glad to have you as a friend. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad to have you as I feel like we're just after that trip. We just want it's amazing how it's like 
you, what, we spent a week together and I feel like I've known you my, my whole life. It's like, I mean, so, once you take a shit on a mountain together, it's like <laughs> you just can't go back from that. You, you can't. And that, it's so true when, it, when you put yourself in those experiences with people. It, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I'm so glad to have you as a friend now. I can't wait to meet Paul one day soon. Oh, my gosh, I know. He's looking at he, – like we thought we were going to do this in person, guys, and Paul got – really excited. Amy was like, yeah, I'll come on your podcast. Not for the podcast. It's because I get to meet Paul. And then we had to do it online. I was like, shit, sorry. (laughs) I think I would have got so distracted though. You would have lost me like halfway through. Hello, Paul. Hello. (laughs) Yeah, nothing would have happened. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, love. And uh, I will make sure to put links to Tiny Stays in the show notes, even though I know it's probably, they're all booked out like weekdays and weekends, aren't they? For ages. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, we're so we're so stoked, but I'm sure someone can get in somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Book ahead. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, love. No worries, sir. Have a good day. Am I right? The freshest breath of air and legend of a human who truly makes the most of every opportunity in life and brings joy to all those around her in the process. I hope you guys loved Amy as much as I do. And if you did, please let her know by sharing the episode with some reflections or takeaways, tagging at Amy Kate Stanton. I've popped a link to her business, Tiny Stays, in the show notes too. I highly recommend you check them out for a beautiful little escape. Have an amazing week and hope you're all seizing your yet. Okay.